Well, thank you for joining us for this week's Tech Law 10 podcast. I'm Jonathan Armstrong with Cordry, the specialist compliance law firm over here in the UK. And I'm pleased to say that Eric Sinrod is joining me as ever from the US. And I guess there's only one topic we can talk about this week, Eric, as the world waits with bated breath to see who you are going to select as your next leader. Tell us about it. Well, you're my leader, Jonathan. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, this is Erickson, Robert Way Morrison. Uh, we do have a big uh, issue coming up. Obviously, our presidential election uh, takes place finally uh, next Tuesday, November 8th. Uh, this, of course, follows in the wake of your Brexit vote a few months ago, mm-hmm. although I read in the news today that perhaps that might get tied up in Parliament soon, and maybe you'll have a 30-second bit on that at the end. But yes, indeed, finally, after a year and a half of campaigning, it's coming down to Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, some regard as the two most most unpopular presidential candidates ever. So some might also argue that it's a choice between a lesser of two evils. Who knows? I'm just, you know, reporting what others say. Um, And one thing you and I have been talking about, Jonathan, is how, you know, social media now, now comes to play. Uh, in these elections, and people sometimes are surprised when they hear that, you know, the polls show that the race is fairly tight, because in their own social media world, it seems pretty clear. For Mm. example, if you're on Facebook and you have 500 friends, likely a lot of your friends, quote-unquote friends, share somewhat your political views to what's coming up for you in your feed, and the posts are, you know, very much about your candidate and why your candidate shouldn't win, and while the other, while uh, also portraying the other candidate as evil and corrupt and deserving to be in jail, and so why should this even be a no-brainer? And it seems to me this is now bleeding over into uh, perhaps even journalism because the journalist has to sort of keep up with what's happening in social media. So what the journalists report can sometimes be a little bit more sensationalist, or maybe giving a little more. Um, time airplay to stories they might not have in the past. The candidates themselves, I mean, Trump has become a Twitter creature. He's, you know, posting on or sending out tweets on a relatively uh, constant basis, sometimes even in the middle of the night. So mm-hmm. it really creates a very different milieu, shall we say. And then we have the whole Comey effect. As you know, um, last Friday, our FBI director, Comey, came out with a very first, very brief announcement that they're now looking into uh, emails that have shown up on the laptop of Anthony Weiner, because, of course, he was married to Uma Abedin, a very close uh, political aide of Hillary Clinton, and what might those emails show. And, of course, that just created an absolute feeding frenzy on social media. It seems to be tipping um, the polls now uh, a little bit less in favor of, of Hillary Clinton as they were A week ago, a week ago, we were talking about what kind of landslide there would be for Hillary Clinton and whether, you know, the Democrats could take control of the Senate. Now, all of a sudden, Hillary Clinton's having to spend some precious campaign money at states that she thought she had locked up. Um, And some people are saying, well, you know, at least thank God we will have the election on November 8th and we won't have to listen to all this acrimony anymore. But is that really true? And this sort of gets back to our social media point. No, not necessarily. I mean, we've heard that Donald Trump has said he will only accept the election result if he wins. Uh, 
if he wins, the system's not rigged, or at least not so rigged enough. But if he loses, the system is patently rigged. And by the way, he was very much denigrating the FBI when they sort of gave up on their email investigation in July, but now all of a sudden the FBI is doing great things. But the problem is this is going to live on. Uh, there are various scenarios, Jonathan. We could have a situation. Uh, if it had been a landslide in favor of Hillary Clinton, which is now looking less likely, maybe there would have been a concession speech from Donald Trump and people could sort of pack up their bags and go home. But if it becomes tight, which it is becoming tight, and Hillary Clinton still wins, which is probably still the likely um, event, if you will, if you look at the Electoral College and the votes, at one point it was looking like she had about 284 electoral votes uh, needed, uh, or actually not needed, but sort of in her column, and all you need is 270. Now it looks like she's down to about 274 as we're recording this podcast, mm -hmm. by the way, um, on Thursday. Um, and so we could see a situation where perhaps maybe, you know, she wins with 274, 272, um, and, and perhaps the popular vote could actually be in favor of Trump or exceedingly close, even if she gets the popular vote too. In that event, is Donald Trump going to roll over and say, you know, congratulations, let's all come together, kumbaya, uh, we're now moving on to the next phase, or is he going to say the system's rigged and sort of wink, wink, nod, nod, Trump supporters, you know, don't take this lying down. And there's been some indications in social media from some people that if they don't get the result they like, they could sort of take it to the streets. And, yeah. you know, civilization as we know it could be a little disrupted. And I very much hope that's not the case. I'm not predicting that's going to be the case, but I hope that's not the case. You know, we could have a different scenario, of course, and by the way, why would they be upset? Because now Hillary Clinton could be looking like she's going to roll into office, and they're going to think, well, this FBI investigation is still ongoing, and that's swirling around on social media. How could we possibly elect somebody who's subject to a potential criminal investigation? Um, they've been saying all along she deserves to be behind bars, and now she'll be president. And, you know, it just goes round and round, Jonathan. Um, so those are some initial thoughts. I mean, it's complicated. Um, I wish it were more simple. Um, I can tell you a little bit more about uh, cyber warfare when it comes to political hacking. Maybe we'll come around to that a little bit, or maybe that's a later podcast. We've talked about uh, the hacking before, but not so much in the cyber warfare context. Mm. I've said enough for now. I'll turn it back to you, and then I might have a few further thoughts. Yeah, no, I, I think it's a fascinating topic, and I think we've seen in progressive elections on both sides of the pond how social media has had a greater and greater impact. I've been uh, very interested in uh, an article from Matt Capco in CIO where he talks to some academics, including Karen North, a clinical professor of communication uh, who's looking at the psychological aspect, and uh, a guy called Vincent Raynaud at uh, Emerson College in Boston and looking at the some of the uh, academic interest behind the use of social media, the fact that people uh, um, want uh, what they call echo chambers. They, as you said, they seek out people that agree with them. But any idea uh, will find an echo on social media, no matter how bizarre it is. You know, you've only got to search the, is Elvis still alive, for example, to find 
that you can, you know, easily seek out, I don't know, 2,000, 4,000, 6,000 people who agree that Elvis is alive, if that's the belief that you hold. And the difficulty, I think, when we get to elections is that, and, and we've suffered that with Brexit, no matter how crazy somebody's view is, you can always find people on social media that agree with it. So if somebody makes up a figure, let's say, for the sake of argument, that £300 million will go towards the health service instead of going to Europe, then all of a sudden it somehow becomes fact. And it's that old Winston Churchill saying that I've used before, that uh, a lie is halfway around the world before the truth has got its pants on. And that's definitely true of social media. And the other interesting thing to me as a, uh, I would hope, impartial observer, but I think nobody's impartial when it comes to a, a job as significant as President of the United States, is the way in which both sides have sought to manipulate social media to their benefit. And as you say, Trump, and one assumes that it's him who's sending these Trumps, uh, these Trumps, these tweets, because some of them you would think are too crazy to be sent by a professional media person on his behalf. Uh, they, they look almost wholeheartedly negative except for one topic. And I've been looking at... Uh, the Trump Twitter archive. I recommend it to you if you've not seen it, trumptwitterarchive.com. Um, currently, it's about, if you're printing it off, it's about 17 pages of Trump tweets uh, that are analyzed by category. And then you can have specific searches against his uh, different um, tweets. And, and almost all of them are negative. You know, there are 212 tweets with the word loser in them. 206 tweets with the word dumb or dummy, 177 tweets with the word terrible, 166 tweets with the word stupid. And one of the things, I think that was Mr. Trump on the phone, uh, one of the things that, um, uh, that, that's, that's particularly interesting, I think, is how uh, whatever the worst is varies depending on his mood. So in the last few months, who or what has been the, wor you know, the worst thing in the world. I won't test you on this, Eric, but pick your answer from, uh, in no particular order, President Obama, the worst president in history, Bill Clinton, also the worst, the Oscars, the worst ever, the Emmys, the worst ever, the Super Bowl, the worst ever, and for a UK audience, uh, Alan Sugar, who does... The uh, apprentice over in the UK is uh, the worst kind of loser there is. And then if you look, for example, and then, then I'll stop, who is it the person that doesn't have a clue? Well, you can perm at least 19 individuals who are the person who has the least clue in the last few months. And um, some people, Hillary, obviously, and Obama, have the honor of uh, of appearing more than once but there's a very uh you know weird selection of people who are those with the with the least clue and this is one i will let you guess uh there are some positive tweets what is the enduring subject that the positive tweets are about <laughs> don't tell me putin no donald trump um <laughs> <laughs> so so for example uh 
my IQ is the highest, and you all know it. Sorry, losers and haters, but my IQ is one of the highest, and you all know it. Please don't feel so stupid or insecure. It's not your fault. Uh, and, um, you know, so most of the superlative tweets are about Donald Trump, uh, except in the interests of balance. For one, on the fragrance success, success, the aftershave, is uh, the best scent, and it lasts the longest. Um, but who is the owner of the fragrance success? For 10 points, Donald, Eric. Donald Trump. Donald Trump. So, um, so it's interesting. I mean, I know politicians are entitled to have a pretty one-sided view of who the best and the worst is, but we would not ordinarily expect them to at least be consistent, wouldn't we? And, and maybe this is indicative of a number of things, one, one of which is the, uh, the, the way in which we have a very short think-do window on Twitter. If something enters our head and we don't have the self-discipline to stop it, then we type it and it's sent before we've worked out whether that's our true opinion or not. Um, but um, I, I think we probably both have the same preferred candidate. I think we both probably think one of the candidates isn't ideal, but the other's um, uh, an absolute uh, crazy man, and you'll guess which from me having designated the gender. Um, and I guess all I would say to you from my distance across the pond is uh, if you're an American and you're uh, listening to this, get out and vote, exercise your democratic right. Don't believe that the uh, party that should win will win because nailing my colours to the mast on another topic, that's what many people in the UK thought about the Brexit vote. And success, yeah. we now know, is not guaranteed. So you have a vote for a reason. Get, get out and exercise it. And transparency is important. So, you know, I'll just, you know, say for myself that I, you know, I am supporting Hillary Clinton in this election. Um, but, you know, as part of balance, I will say this also. Uh, you know, I've handled cases all the way up to the United States Supreme Court on the Freedom of Information Act um, and how government records are supposed to be handled. And I've lectured on this topic. And when the email situation first came out, oh, gosh, when was it, a year, year and a half ago, I explained it was a, to people. It was this, a week uh, it, it was a year gone Easter because we did Thank our you. podcast as it broke and I did it mm -hmm. from the glorious banks of the Camel Estuary in Cornwall. <laughs> Listen to you. <laughs> anyway, so, okay, so as I say, about a year and a half ago, and I've been saying to various audiences since then, this email situation will be Hillary Clinton's Achilles heel, uh, yeah. how she handled emails on her private server when she was dealing with governmental matters was not preserving government records as government records are supposed to be handled because those who govern are supposed to be accountable to the governed and how we deal, that, deal with that is through sunshine laws and it's the basic root of democracy. Um, I'm not here to say, and I'm not sure there's evidence at least yet, that any, fight, any classified information wound up in the wrong hands and so that's important. Uh, maybe that's why the FBI in July decided to cease its investigation, at least its criminal investigation at that point. And now the why it's reared its head now in this very oblique way uh, is hard. Well, I don't know. But hopefully it's not political. But today's Thursday. The election is on Tuesday. Who knows what's going to come up 
uh, before Tuesday in terms of any revelation of what's in these emails because there was a uh, now there's the ability a court approved the ability for the review to be taking place as it is. Uh, there are many many emails, so whether they some of them will be reported on or at least disclosed, um, not disclosed, but um, will there be whether there'll be any report by the FBI on what they're finding so far before the election? We don't know. Um, we have in the past, and I'll just add one last point here. We have in the past talked about, you know, the hacking of uh, emails uh, of the Democratic National Committee and, you know, John Podesta, who uh, is campaign chairman for Hillary Clinton. And there was a reference a little while ago by Barack Obama, our president, saying that perhaps there could be some retaliation in a cyber way as to Russia because there's the thought that Russia is behind this. Uh, when would that take place? Probably, if it happens uh, under the watch of the next president, if the next president is Trump, we're not sure there'll be any retaliation. If it's under Clinton, maybe. But then, you know, would there really be a cyber warfare event, or would it be more in the realm of uh, there being a disclosure of perhaps uh, Putin's offshore financial interests? And there's been some discussion about that. But that's that's another topic. But I at least wanted to hint about that. Um, I think we've gone well past our 10, but this is a pretty important day uh, leading up to the election. If you want to say anything, Jonathan, right now about what I heard uh, recently that somehow the Brexit might get hung up because there might need to be a vote in Parliament on it, can you tell us at least a few words on that, or am I mistaken? Yeah, it might. Um, so uh, I, I, think, I, I think there's an almost certain appeal it seems that the appeal is at least a week away and maybe in the interest of time we'll return to the topic once right. the appeal's been heard. But uh, suffice to say, it is all a very messy situation. The courts have decided that this isn't something that's within the prerogative of the Prime Minister, so Parliament will have to have a debate. But we don't yet know what form of debate Theresa May will propose she will announce on Monday, I believe, what uh, she thinks she will do if the court ruling is not overturned. Um, but maybe uh, I will say something more about that the next time we speak. All right. All right, and maybe, we'll maybe I should also say that at this point, as, as I believe, adopting the uh, version of English that you speak, you called it bro. Um, back all that uh, time ago, really. So, so much respect to you, bro, for that. <laughs> all right. Well, this was we've more than doubled our usual ten, but hopefully, uh, folks out there listening will uh, be glad we provided more content. Um, so, all that remains to say is, thank you for joining us. This has been your weekly Tech Law in 2025, although we call it <laughs> Tech Law 10. Uh, I'm Eric Sinrod at Dwayne Morris. My email address is ejsinrod at DwayneMorris.com. It's handled in an appropriate way. It's not on a private server somewhere. Um, and you can find us on the usual social media outlets. We've been talking about social media, haven't we? Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. Jonathan, bring it home. Yeah, jonathan.armstrongacordrycompliance.com. Uh, I'm uh, armstrongjp on Twitter. Do connect with us there or however you wish to. Uh, we'll speak to you again in a week or so. Meantime, if you have the vote, use it. And thanks for listening.